I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. And today we're very happy to welcome Amy Temperling as an advocate for women aging. Now, older adults has been, have been Amy Te- Amy's focus for over 30 years. She created programs for her nonprofit employers for many years until seven years ago, she tapped into her own entrepreneurial drive. Her passion now centers on active aging, and she'll tell us all about that. She is co-founder and CEO of Aging is Cool, and most recently co-founder of A Mighty Good Time. She resides in Austin, Texas. So welcome, Amy, for, as an advocate for Within Aging. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. Um, you know, I, we know that your work is not for women only, uh, but we're especially interested in hearing your insights, of course, about active aging for, for women. So tell us what first drew you to working with older adults 30 years ago. You know, I always knew I wanted to help people, but I wasn't sure what group that was going to be. And so I went to school to be a social worker and I uh, did my first internship with Adult Protective Services. And I was exposed to um, older adults in the community, many who were very low income and of course had you know very desperate needs, whether that was neglect, abuse, exploitation. So it was kind of brought into the hard side um, of mm-hmm. that. And after that, I kind of explored and I thought, you know, do I want to work with kids? Do I want to work with people with disabilities? And it really never fit for me. And I think it goes all the way back. You know, my grandfather was just an amazing man and we had a very close relationship. Um, I have such fond memories of spending time with him and it just made sense. And after that, I kind of fell into it and I started my first job as a a nursing home activity director and later Mm -hmm. in as a social worker and kind of worked in that um, side of the older adult care where people need a lot of support um, and have since luckily moved on from that over time to helping people not get into those situations if they can yeah. avoid it. So that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Do you have, what, what uh, special challenges have you observed that women in particular face as we, we age? First of all, we live longer, right? So there's, there is, inevitably a time in our lives where we may spend um, a lot more time alone in later life than um, men will do. And then I think the other piece, and this starts kind of in your 50s and going forward, is um, what I'm going to call self-directed ageism. And it's this, you know, we're so exposed to um, ageism in our world in terms of our jobs and in terms of how we're supposed to look and, you know, men are allowed to get, you know, beautifully gray haired and, and women, we, we don't get to do that as often, or, or it's not as acceptable. And so we have these thoughts about ourselves and about what we can do or our bodies are able to do or what we're allowed to do um, because of that, putting ageism on ourselves. Um, and I see so often in the work I do people who say, well, I'm too old for that, or I, mm-hmm. Um, you know, my body won't do that. And, and the reality is, is there's still plenty of things that we can do. We just haven't been encouraged to do them. Yeah. I, I'm very interested in these uh, five elements that you have of active aging. Yeah. Tell us more about that. You bet. So 
I've been working, you know, on active aging for quite a few years now and and through the research and the things that we've really looked at, there's sort of five key components that I find important. The first one is fitness and health. People will always tell you that, you know, your doctor tells you that you need to eat right, you need to exercise. That's kind of ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of research now showing some other really um, important components. The second being your brain health. Up until you know a decade or so ago, we didn't really know that you could um, create new brain cells through your entire lifespan, um, that we were able to continue to learn and grow and how key and important that is. And you almost have to um, put it in as part of your, your health routine is how are you going to keep your brain healthy over time. Um, the next one is being social. Uh, through the pandemic and even prior to that, you know, older adults have been impacted by isolation, loneliness, whether that's because you um, can't drive anymore or your friends are dying, you know, those are just the realities of, of older life. Um, so being social and engaged with other people is crucial. They say, um, you know, social isolation is as bad for your health as smoking a half a pack of cigarettes a day. And most of us know better than that. So that's, that's a big one. Um, and then the two last ones that we're finding are really important. The, the fourth one is to have a sense of purpose, some reason to get up every day, whether that's something that you're contributing to other people or just something that gives you a sense of joy um, or, you know, something if you're a spiritual person, you know, maybe it's about your faith and your religion, but finding something that gives you meaning um, so that you're not just getting up every day going, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. And the last one, also lots of research around this is um, gratitude and humor and sort of that positivity angle. Um, you taking time to be grateful every day, trying to have a positive mindset, you know, trying to see the glasses, you know, half full instead of half empty wherever we can actually improves your health and it makes your, your you know, less depression and then it helps you do all the other things. It helps you eat better and engage and want to be involved with other people and find purpose. So gratitude and, and humor can be really important. I think it's interesting how you put those two together, gratitude and humor, because say, say a little more about that. You know, I, I lumped them because it's part of that positivity piece. And I think we have to be not only thankful um, for what we have, but I think we have to laugh sometimes at the things that are difficult. I used to uh, run support groups for people with dementia and had a, a lovely woman. Um, at the time, she was in her 50s and so was her husband. And he had early onset dementia. And it was really, you know, devastating, to say the least. I mean, he was very, very young. But she came home one day and he was mowing the lawn on his riding lawnmower in his underwear. And, you know, it was, it, it could have been heartbreaking. It could have been horribly sad. And all we could do was giggle about, well, thank God he was mowing the lawn. <laughs> you know, at least he was right. still getting the job done. Still and, do that. Yeah, yeah you, you have to find those little moments. You know, it's, it's not funny when you start to decline. And it's not funny when you lose skills and abilities. But there is humor in some of the the funny, funny yeah. things. I could, you know, I could tell you so many, many a story from my nursing home days and all of those. Where yes, we found humor in the most ridiculous of things. And it would actually make a nice book if you haven't thought of that already. <laughs> I'd have to go back. It's been it's been a while for some of my direct care stuff, but yeah, there were some great stories. I I'll tell you this other one because I always found it amusing. I I was a social worker, but occasionally would be called upon to help you know, someone get dressed and, 
dressed or bathed, unfortunately, when we were shorthanded. And I, I was helping a woman get dressed and she had dementia. And I pulled up her her clothes and got her all dressed. And she started giggling hysterically. And I couldn't figure out what she was giggling about. And she lifted up her shirt. And I apparently had pulled her underwear up so high they were over her breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and she just giggled so hard and it was just it was the sweetest moment and it's because it was it was funny it was silly and ridiculous and we can find those moments through our lives if we if we look hard enough yes yes I, i'd like you to talk a little more about about this being socially engaged being social because as as you indicate women tend to live longer and we more likely to live alone for some period of time as we get older, older, our friends die, or our family members die. So, what? How do? What's your advice, or what's your um, observation about how women are coping with that, or not coping? I or guess is, is the is the biggest concern. You know, we have to actively reach out to find people, and as we lose people in our lives, we have to find more people. Mm -hmm. And that is really hard to do sometimes yeah. because you do more in the loss of, of those who have, you know, who can either no longer be in your lives because they're gone for good or because they've got a health condition and they can't be part of your life anymore. Or you move away, you know, we've got all those different things, but finding someone in your life that you communicate with on a regular basis, and that can be by phone, it can be by zoom, it can be in person. It is so crucial to our well-being to connect with other people, not only just for the emotional well-being of it, but it's actually really good for your brain. Um, I always tell people, you know, social engagement is probably the number one brain fitness activity that you can do because mm -hmm. you, you're listening to someone, you're formulating a response, you're looking at their micro expressions. All of that is really, really good for your brain. Um, mm -hmm. And I empathize a lot with folks like that, because despite my work being very external, I'm a bit of an introvert. And so it's, and so is my husband. And so it's really easy for us to kind of hole up and not pay attention to what's going on around us. But along with that social, um, the emotional connection of, of interacting with people, we have what they call the social determinants of health as well. Mm -hmm. And the network that we create around us and the social engagement that we have with other people actually helps us in other ways because those are the people that we reach out to if we're a caregiver and we might need some support. Those are the people who bring us a meal when we're sick. Those are the people who give us a ride when our car is broken down. Those, right? So it's so important that we have that social network around us um, for multitudes of reasons and more and more is coming out um, in the research all the time. And uh, so what, you know, gen generalization, and although I think it's true, is that women tend to be more relational anyway than than men and so i'm wondering if you see that play out in as you as you observe women getting older and their needs change and i i do for and and i'll be very clear here i've worked over the entire spectrum i've worked with a lot of really low income people and i've worked with people of means and people who can can afford certain things and what concerns me more are are women who don't have access. So maybe they don't have access to technology. Maybe they don't have the funds to kind of engage and get out and about. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're stranded because of transportation issues. And that seems to be the one of the largest barriers that gets in people's way. Because um, I do think women are relational and that we tend to want 
um, to reach out and engage in some ways, but there are certainly a great population of people who are unable to do that for many, many reasons. Mm -hmm. And so what's key for those of us who are able and we can, so here's where your purpose comes in, is how do we reach out and engage with those women who need us? How do we, as women who are able to, um, you know, to get out and about and do all the things and have great connections, how do we include women in our circles? How do we invite them in or how do we reach out to them and go where they are so that we can support them um, through their aging process? So you, you have two, organi two organizations, uh, full, full speed ahead with both of them. Um, one is Aging is Cool and the other is A Mighty Good Time. So tell us about each of those. And, and I, has, I assume there's some synchronicity between them as well. There is. They, they have that common theme of, of active aging and keeping people engaged. So Aging is Cool is a company that my husband and I built here in Austin. And we have about 15 instructors and we go out and teach classes, everything from fitness to brain training to lifelong learning, arts and crafts, a little bit of music um, in retirement communities, assisted living and the like. So it's really um, classes that we do here in the Central Texas area. A Mighty Good Time was co-created with my founder, uh, co-founders Jen and Ian, who we wanted to be able to help older adults access all the great things there are to do around them throughout the entire country. And so we have been curating and reaching out to activity providers of in-person, virtual, and phone-based programming um, throughout the nation and a little bit internationally. We have some international providers as well. And anyone can go to a Mighty Good mightygoodtime.com and search the site for free and find free activities, some paid activities, but so many interesting things to do all over um, the country. Um, and again, accessible to whoever, wherever, if you can get out, great. If not, there's tons of virtual stuff. Um, and most of them are designed to be social and engaging. So these are live classes, they're not recorded. And most all of them allow opportunities for the participants to interact with each other, ask questions of the providers, and really engage with each other. So lots of fun. Sounds like a really ambitious undertaking to, to <laughs> corral, find out, and then corral all those services. How, how do you do that? One by one, city by city. We've done pretty well with the virtual. Uh, there are some fantastic virtual providers across the country. We've got probably 150 of them registered with us and, and posting activities. In person's a little harder. And so we're still, you know, we... Uh, kind of target areas, you know, we target a big city where we know there's large populations and we reach out to the local nonprofits and the libraries and the museums. Mm -hmm. And we look for uh, programming that is relevant in those areas and, and encourage those sites to post with us mm -hmm. as well. I, I would think it would be helpful to have um, uh, in each city to, for, for elder people to be able to find technology, um, classes in how to do this, you know, of course, there's Apple stores all around, but not everybody can afford an Apple uh, computer or, or phone. And so I, that, to me, that has so much to do with the social isolation that some, some older adults experience. And so I have you, have you addressed that at all? Are you able to? It seems like you're doing so much, Amy. 
<laughs> We've done some of it, you know, technology is a big barrier for people. Now, surprisingly, we're seeing if you look at the research, most older adults do have a device of some kind. So it's, it's actually the numbers are getting quite high. Um, so even if it's just a cell phone, they've got, they're able to access some internet and be able to, to do this. There are some really great programs across the country, particularly nonprofit agencies. There's an organization called Senior Planet that are doing free technology training for older adults. Um, and they do a fantastic job of it. There's some amazing programming that actually uses intergenerational mentoring to do that as well. So they use teenagers or college students to teach older adults to use technology. And that's been really interesting. Um, so it, it's out there, you know, you can find it if you're, if you're uncomfortable and you don't feel secure in these spaces, um, there is free programming out there to teach you how to use this stuff because it, it really is the future. It really, you know, we're going to be, you know, the pandemic brought Zoom and, and platforms like this to the forefront for us to offer programming, but it's going to get better and better over time. And it's going to get more and more important over time. Um, it's not going away. You know, even if we can all be out and about, it's not going away. It's still a crucial way um, that people are going to interact with each other going forward. Right. For sure. Uh, are there still, um, I was going to, well, I was going to ask if there's still gaps in just this whole aging, active aging movement. Mm -hmm. It does seem to be a movement. So, and I think access, you've already named one that still needs a lot of attention. Are there other, other areas that you're just burning to get into? I, I am. Yeah, we, uh, with aging is cool. We've been getting really engaged with virtual reality. And so we've been taking virtual reality headsets out to older adults and in um, everything from independent living to, um, memory care units and having amazing, amazing responses. People are just in awe of that experience because it puts you in that place. We, we've been doing some where you can do like an underwater adventure or you can hang out with gorillas um, in the jungle. And it's almost like you can touch things. And so places, we had the, the nicest woman the other day, we took her and she, under the underwater experience and she used to be a scuba diver and she would never have been able to get back um, into that environment again. And she, and, cause she was in a wheelchair. And so she's, you know, she's reaching out. We can see her oh. reaching out to touch these fish. It was this amazing experience. So I, I really think virtual reality, augmented reality are going to be really interesting new developments. And I would really encourage women and you know, people that want to stay engaged with your world, don't shy away from this stuff. Jump right in. There are lots of people that are using virtual reality headsets at home to interact with their grandkids and like playing games together from across the world. I mean, it is just such a fascinating platform. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited about where that might take us. Amy, what's the difference between uh, virtual reality and augmented reality? So virtual reality is... Um, you would put on a headset and you almost disappear into that world, right? So you feel like you're completely in the world. Augmented reality is going to look more like a pair of glasses mm -hmm. where you see projections in your own environment. So I would be able to see maybe my computer screen floating in air, or I would be able to see you almost like you were in my room, almost like you were sitting here with me, right? So it's just a different way. So it kind of puts it on top of the environment that you're in right now. 
<laughs> so all we need is a head, a special headset on our computer, and is is that it? Yes, the um, the for virtual reality, the new Oculus headsets are only two hundred and ninety nine dollars, and as long as you've got internet, you can hook up, you can do um, virtual tours, you can play games. We um, we've been doing some partnership work with a, a company that does. Uh, uh, walk about mini golf. It's like a little mini golf kind of game you can play in your own home. Um, you can get on the internet and actually like visit places that you used to live. I've, I've gone and looked at my childhood home, almost like I'm sitting right there on the street. It's, it's just fascinating. So yeah, play around, play around. It is, you're not going to hurt anything. You're not going to break the internet. It's all good. <laughs> Give it a shot. Interesting. One of our one of our guests, actually, her episode came out today, I think. Uh, Phyllis discovered during the pandemic that her love for travel was going to have to be experienced in a different way. So she's been signing, you know, she's been taking these virtual uh, tours of she's been to France, you know, virtually. And but I don't think she has a special headset. I think it's mainly um, just watching something on, on the computer. But I love this notion of the the virtual reality. And the, I'm going to get one of those. That's great. You, you should. It is. It's fascinating. It is so much fun. We haven't even begun to explore it. We're just learning oh. right now, and it's it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and just watching the joy on people's faces when they're having an experience that they've never had before, and that's so important. Even you know, as we get older, is open the open yourself up to amazing new things. There, there is so mm -hmm. much to do. So much to do out there. Don't don't shy away from it. It's great. What else? Where are the other uh, visions that you have for what you you want to be promoting and engaged in? Oh goodness! You know, I'm just really, I, I'm really passionate about this work in ageism, and I'm really passionate about how that applies in um, in the way that we provide activities to older adults, and so. You know, our work has always been um, both with Aging is Cool and with what we're doing with A Mighty Good Time is that we want programming to be smart and engaging that, you know, the days of bingo bridge and whatever else are, you know, kind of going away. You know, we, we it breaks my heart when I go into a residential community and, um, you know, they're playing bingo three times a week. We're this generation your generation, my generation don't want that. They want something different. They want to stay active and engaged. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see where we're going. There's a lot of work being done right now on demographics and how we're, you know, what, how aging is going to change the face of the country. Well, the world really, um, you know, birth say rates more, are say more about that. How, how are we going to change the face of the world? It's everything from, you know, we're, I'll show you, it's actually, I'm reading this book called Super Age right now, which is fantastic. Um, and it's, it's all about the demographic shifts that are occurring internationally. And it's everything from lowering birth rates to us living longer. But the way that that changes the way that we shop, the way that that changes the workforce, the way that that changes how we vote, the way that that changes healthcare. It's just, um, I, I hate to use the word tsunami because it's just such an overused kind of thing, but it's this, it, it's the snowball effect mm -hmm. of older adults and, and what we bring to the table as well as um, how 
living longer is going to impact the healthcare system and, and how long we work and all those different things. It's just really fascinating. Does really it have to do with the vast numbers of people entering this age bracket? It's the vast numbers. So there, he, this book talks about super age, which basically is as, as economies reach or countries reach a certain threshold. And I think it might be 20%, you know, when, when older adults become 20% of the population and how that just changes the entire fabric um, of the way things look. Um, so yeah, it's, it is, it's about us living longer and about how there's going to be so many more of us and how we want things different, um, than previous generations. You know, when, when does that older age begin? He, they generally talk about 65 and older. That's mm -hmm. generous. So it's really, you know, that's, that's what everybody's been most concerned about is this kind of baby boomer population mm -hmm. and everybody's turning 65. And that's one part of it is that we have this huge influx of older adults, but then also this huge lifespan, this massive lifespan. Um, so just, yeah, fascinating, fascinating. I'm, I'm only about halfway through, so I'm not super articulate on it yet, but I'm oh, really, really interested on the demographics. Yeah. 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 It's, it seems like you have a kind of a living laboratory there with, with aging is cool and a mighty good time. Are you mining that for kind of your own research and what are you finding out? You know, I, I haven't been, I, my, my husband's been talking about writing a book forever and ever, but his is more on the, uh, um, he writes lots of brain games, so he wants to do puzzle books. But, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot of data that's coming out of the work that we're doing. And I'm running some surveys through Aging is Cool mm -hmm. right now. I, I try really hard here in the Austin area just to get engaged with anything aging. I'm, I'm on the commission mm -hmm. for seniors so that I try to help advise the city as much as I can. Um, I just had a grant on aging and homelessness in the Austin area. So we did a research study to look at that. Mm -hmm. So it's again just something I've been passionate about for a very long time is you know how do we promote equity and engagement and really healthy quality lives for people you know throughout the age span um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and we really we as a society really need the kind of work that you're doing because otherwise we're just in isolated little pods and um, yeah so I just really applaud you and your partners for what you're what you're offering. Oh, thank sure. you so much. We're, yeah. we're really proud and, and so thankful that there's so many great organizations doing good work that we can, you know, give them a free platform with a mighty good time to mm -hmm. get the word out there about all the great things they're doing. There is so mm -hmm. much going on out there when you, when you get out there and dig for it. And that's what we yes. do. We do the digging. So you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. Archaeologists, contemporary archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm enthralled by everything you're saying, Amy. It's because it's so exciting that there are these organizations and there are people like you, younger people like you, who are pushing for, for an aging process that is, that, that is meaningful to the older people going through it. And, and it just brings them so, you know, brings so much more to the table than we've had before. Yeah. Well, we've got great, great respect for the aging process because we're all doing it. But, you know, having I just turned 52. And as I look at my own 
aging, you know, I think as women too, I mean, I always felt like, you know, when I came into my forties, I was, I was getting pretty good, but I think fifties has been, you know, pretty awesome. You come into your own and you figure out who you are and what you want for the future. And I, I don't want to play bingo. (laughs) 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 And I want to have, I want to have social engagement with people and I want housing and I want, you know, I want all these Mm -hmm. things that I want to, you know, live my life the way I want to live it just the way that you do. And so mm-hmm. we have to make sure the right tools and resources are out there. Well, you're doing a great job. Yeah, that's <laughs> fabulous. Thank you so much for, for being with us. I mean, we, this I really have given me some new things to think about and actually try. And uh, I think this is so, just so encouraging for our listeners. Absolutely. So encouraged. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.